Hi, everyone, and welcome to the News Agent Podcast. I'm Susie Lysett, Senior Content Executive at Goodlord, and this episode is a recording of our webinar on how the cost of living crisis will affect rent arrears and possessions. Paul Champlina, Chief Commercial Officer at Hamilton Fraser and founder of Landlord Action, joined the session with Goodlord's Ollie Sherlock. In the recording, they share some top tips on how to support your tenants, how to protect your landlords, and how to safeguard your business during this time. The webinar itself is CPD accredited, so to get your certificate of attendance for that, you can still watch the session on demand on the newsagent site. I'll include the link in the show notes and links to other resources you might find useful on the webinar topic as well. So that's all the housekeeping out of the way, on with the podcast. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this installment of the Good Lord webinar service. Today, we're going to be discussing the cost of living crisis and how that's going to impact arrears and possessions. Um, we are joined by uh, the ever-interesting Paul Champlina, who will be joining us briefly, um, to discuss all things um, uh, arrears, possessions, and how they're going to be affected by the cost of living crisis. Um, before we get into uh, the detail around that, um, a, a brief uh, mention uh, in terms of what Good Lord actually does. For those of you who don't know, we're a pre-tenancy platform that streamlines um, your entire lettings process and makes it more efficient and opens up new revenue streams. Um, probably a very interesting area of the industry at the moment, actually, in terms of some of the challenges we're facing, which I think, Paul, is fair to say we're going to discuss at some length today. Um, more around the challenges, less so about Good Lord. This is not a, a Good Lord pitch. This is hopefully consultative to, to help agents out there sort of um, get around some of the challenges and master some of the challenges that the industry is throwing at them. Um, so without further ado, Mr. Paul Champlina, good morning. Good morning, Ollie. How are you, mate? I'm very good. I'm very good. We were talking uh, off air um, about the, the big game tonight. We're, we're both avid Spurs fans. So there's uh, our attention for this hour, hopefully, is on this subject. But I, it, I presume it, the rest of the day, it might yes. be the big game. It's This hour is all about the cost of living and, and how it is going to affect the letting agents themselves that are watching this as well as obviously their landlords and tenants but yeah yeah it's uh, and after that it's uh focus on uh on white heart lane later so uh yeah we've got a big game but anyway it's not a football webinar it's a uh, it's an educational <laughs> webinar like. maybe we should branch off i don't know uh yeah. we'll see, see how it yeah. goes um yeah. paul um I, I can't believe for a second there's many who don't know who mr paul champlina is but for, for those who don't um, can you just give, give us a summary of, 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 of what you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I'll just give you a quick background about me. So look, I've been helping landlords and letting agents for 30 years, literally. I mean, I've just been doing it forever, really. Uh, I uh, I started Landlord Action in 1999-2000 because I was fed up with lawyers charging too much money. And we're one of the leading landlord and tenant solicitors in the country. Uh, we're now up to, believe it or not, Ollie, up to 18 staff just in Landlord Action alone. Uh, we're looking, we've got two, two more, uh, uh, available, uh, job posts that we're looking for. Um, and we are busy than ever. And obviously we'll touch on that a little bit later on. Uh, we're really busy, but obviously, um, my role is I'm chief commercial officer, Hamilton Fraser. Hamilton Fraser bought my company land on action in 2017. So we also own at Hamilton Fraser, my deposits, property redressing, client money, protect, total landlord insurance, landlord zone, HF Assist, OM, and obviously we've got, we've got 10 or 12 different brands. So my job is I oversee sales for the whole group. So uh, I don't just knock on doors and evict tenants where people might have seen that on obviously Nightmare Tenant Slum Landlords. I've done six series of that. It's uh, it's very much part of being a big corporate company, really. Sure. Really 
No, definitely. And, and, and that's exactly why, why I've invited Paul onto the, the webinar today, because we're interested to understand Paul's views, um, coupled with some views that, we, that we're obtaining through our own sites of the market of how the cost of living crisis are going to affect arrears and possessions. I think in order to, to have a, me- a meaningful conversation around that, Paul, it's good for us to understand exactly where we stand today, because I think you know, one view given that the, the pandemic is, you know, seemingly behind us, we're back to relative normality. We're in the pub. Um, you know, we have to wear masks all the time. Um, but in actual fact, the reality is that the effect of the pandemic is still very much uh, front and centre of arrears and possession cases, isn't it, in terms of the yeah. volume and the lag. So talk us through where we are at the moment. I w- yeah, I'll tell you. I mean, look, I've been doing this my working life. I issued my first possession claim in 1991 when I worked for, for solicitors. So I am old, right? feel a bit old but literally i can tell you now uh since running land reaction what 22 years we're the business we've ever been period i mean mm. last uh last week we had in one day i think it was 25 new cases which is a hell of a lot in one day and that those cases half our work comes from letting agents and half come directly from landlords so we've got 12 solicitors and paralegals it's all fixed fees we're a regulated firm of solicitors and now issuing a claim, serving a notice, it's harder than ever before with all the rules and regulations that came in during the COVID 2020 Act. But the reality is, is and I can give you some possession numbers because I'm, I'm up to date with everything. I mean, in uh, 2020, there was something like uh, the best part of about 40,000 possession claims that were issued. But the first quarter of 2020 was before lockdown. Last year, there was 30,000 possession claims. In 2019, there was 110,000 possession claims. The reality is, for two years, landlords weren't, weren't really issuing claims. And also the social housing sector weren't issuing possession claims. Now it's all kicked off. And I've predicted, and I've, I've said this openly, you're going to be looking at eighty to 90,000 possession claims plus for 2022. The first quarter was really busy. And literally, uh, it's really busy. And also, we've got a debt recovery department that's busier than ever now before because mm-hmm. rent arrears are higher. Landlords are not writing them off. And they want to obtain a money judgment against yeah. their tenants. So it shows up in the credit referencing that you do at Good Lord. And and with the the lag in mind, um, the, the latest ministry uh, Ministry of Justice stats um, suggested that the uh, the the timeline from starting that process to actually getting the property back could be as high as seventeen point six months. I think it was on one of the last. Yeah, period. I don't. I mean, that's that's a little misleading, isn't it? Because that's it is. Mis- it, account. It, it is misleading. Look, during the midst of the pandemic, you know, we had horrendous cases, and I was doing loads of stuff in the press. If your case was stuck in the court system when the and came in, which was March to September 2020, you were the worst affected. Yeah. We had, you know, we had rent, we regularly had rent arrears over 30, 40, 50, 60,000 pounds regularly, 12 months rent arrears. And actually, it was taking 14 to 16 months to evict a tenant because you had six month notice periods. Obviously, from the 1st of October, they went back down to 14 days and two months. And then obviously, you know, the maintenance reform bill, there's also a lot of unintended consequences with regard to section 21 being banned. And obviously we can talk about that on another webinar, obviously, and what the impact of that's going to be. But basically uh, there is, some courts are up to date. Some courts aren't. Some courts have got a real lack of bailiffs, which is an issue as well. So yeah. not, and then of course they've now pulled part of the procedure where you used to have review hearings. That was a complete waste of time. It was about slowing everything up. 
during the midst of a pandemic where there was no vaccine and they didn't want to mix and a big avalanche of evictions and people being homeless on the streets and not having a vaccine for a pandemic. So quite rightly, there should have been suspension. And now uh, you will see 2022 ramp up with regard mm. to possessions. And of course, taking into effect what we're going to be talking about today, the cost of living, all the bills going up. Well, 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 that's it. And I think you know what, the way we're going to try and do this, for those who are viewing, um, is we're going to have the conversation on the cost of living crisis. Then we're going to go through uh, three different points. Um, how and uh, talk about how uh, you can support your tenants as a letting agent, how you can protect your landlords as a letting agent, and how to safeguard your business. But given everything you've said there, uh, Paul, um, the summary really, I suppose, is ultimately it's still extremely busy. This is a knock-on effect from the pandemic and from ultimately landlords um, and tenants. Um, you know, feeling the effect of of things that have happened in the last couple of years, as you as you rightly say, that doesn't then take into account the cost of living crisis itself, which yeah. um, you know we we are all affected by. I had my uh, my direct debit confirmation through from EDF only a couple of days ago, and the fact that uh, my gas and electricity bill is doubled is just. I know. Just I know. I just I just had a recent letter yesterday. Uh, my mortgage has gone up. It's gone up. Obviously, you know, we're up one percent. I mean, can I just throw some stats at you just on the reality of what's yeah, sure. going to happen? Because I think this is really important to say. Look, the average wage increase, if if you're lucky enough to get a wage increase from your employers, is about four percent, three to four percent. You know, uh, the annual rate of inflation is about eight point three percent. It's the highest it's been since the 1980s. Right. Wages aren't keeping up with inflation. And it's and that's obviously after two years of a pandemic where obviously the government were supporting people with furlough and universal credit and bounce back loans. But there was a recent survey and supposedly two million adults can't afford to feed themselves on a daily basis and struggle. Mm -hmm. to feed I mean, that is quite shocking. The confidence of household um, uh, finance is at an all-time low, is the reality. So you've got, obviously, the fuel, you've got the energy, and obviously the, the war in Ukraine certainly doesn't help that. You've got the interest rises. Now, bearing in mind, we're only at 1%. 1%, yeah? And I am ugly enough and old enough to remember in 88, 90, when I used to do house repossessions, when I used to work at uh, uh, in Brighton, uh, Brighton Chemical, the interest rate was 14, 15 percent. Mm. So if you speak to someone of a generation or two below me, they think that you're you're talking gibberish. Now, we're at one percent. And the interest rate, if it keeps on going up, is going to have a really, really big impact, even still at, at a real low percent, because people have been borrowing and having cheap money for a long, long time. Sure. And And with that, with that change and with the pressure on tenants, um, they, 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 there's an easy assumption, isn't it, that that automatically um, escalates into you know, an increase in arrears, an increase in possessions. I think that's a fair assumption. I think we will see more tenants go into financial difficulty and increase um, in rents. And, and and that's the other side. The market isn't actually playing ball um, yes. with with the idea that tenants are going to struggle because rents are rising. Um, we're seeing more possession cases um, than than arguably ever before, where landlords are wanting their properties back to then um, either sell the property or indeed relet the property at a higher amount. Um, so, how do agents factor that in? And we're going to come on to this in, in some way, but I'm interested in your thoughts on how a letting agent should look at that because, you know, as an agent, I have a commercial obligation, uh, yeah. duty of care to my landlord. They are mm. my client. Yes. 
but I also recognize that continuity and affordability and these things are are important. So where in your mind is that balance for, for agents I, at the moment? I, I, it's, it's pretty hard. Yeah, of course it is. And there is, you, 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 we, you've named a lot of different factors that are happening. Yes, you, there's a, a shortage of stock. More landlords are selling. The, uh, the biggest challenge in the landlording world will be the EPC changes. Think about banning Section 21, which I've always said was a massive challenge. The EPC, there's landlords that are going to be exiting, cashing out, older landlords that have made hay while the sun shines. I think that, yes, of course, referencing is more imperative than ever before, getting guarantors, getting getting rent guarantee insurance, get all that. But the rents are going up. You know, I spoke to one agent, one leading London landlord agent, um, and they have an average 11 applicants to one property. And I'm sure with the 400 plus Mm. agents that are on here, everyone's going to say they've got a lack of stock. I think there's a duty of care to the landlord. I think as as agents, you need to be really transparent with that referencing, saying, you know, being realistic with rent. So, yeah, you might have rent reviews and they might be going up every two, three years or whatever it may be. But actually, the reality is, is me as a landlord, I'm instructing you as an agent, Ollie, I, and I know that the demand is strong. I want to see that there's four or five, eight, there's four or five tenants going for the, pro- best for the property. Mm. Who is my best bet? with regard to paying that credit agreement for the next 12 months, that couple, that professional couple, the stability of the job. And you've also got to realise one thing that we haven't even talked about is there's one point, there's almost 1.2 million job vacancies out there. Employers are struggling to get staff. Yeah. The way that staff work nowadays and obviously working remotely and in hybrid has completely changed. So, it's really we're in a really. I mean, yeah, being in COVID was really weird economy-wise, but now coming out of it, there's all these different factors. So I think as an agent, I would say, right, I've got these four or five tenants. In my view, because I'm thinking about your interest, Mister Landlord, because I want your property for the length of you being a landlord, not this yeah. tenancy. I think that Mary and John are your best bet out of these, and I'll tell you why. Boom, 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 boom. You know, and I think that's really important. So I think there is going to be competition for properties and i think as a tenant as a as a letting agent you need to put your credit credit cap on and actually say right this is your best bet and this is why i think it's your best bet because of course you have to predict that you know bills are going to be going up and what is their disposable income if there is going to be rises with regards to the things that we talk about so and i suppose that that lends itself to saying well you know, whereas before you might have found one tenant who, you know, falls in the referencing criteria, meets that threshold, it, it's potentially proactive, especially given the demand versus supply, to look at two or three tenants in other Correct. places. Um, and and it, even if you're not putting them through referencing, getting a view of their initial application to then look at them side by side to Definitely. then choose who to go through. Definitely. And then you've got two, two or three other parties to fall back on. That's yeah. probably a common practice that's happening already, but more <laughs> important now to have a yes. have a view. Um I wonder how helpful some of the conversations that are being had around how to solve the thing we're talking about here are, because I think only in the last week, um, the mayor of London has uh, has urged uh, the government to essentially apply a, I think it was a two year rent freeze um, across across London. I'm, I'm wary that um, all of our, our, our viewers here are, are not based in London. We're, we're a business that serves the UK, but, you know, often what happens in London ripples out. Um, you know, that kind of statement, whilst you know, clearly is there to help tenants. Actually, does that not then 
put some impetus behind landlords then saying, well, actually, my chance is now to increase the rent. So we're causing almost pressure at the top of the funnel by by trying to sort of manage the, the problem uh, mm. with quite a blunt instrument. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, look, look, not every landlord puts their rents up, you know, and if landlords do put their rents up, they, they might put them up every few years, you know. Uh, they don't do it automatically. Whether If it was index and inflation-led, then landlords would be getting more rent, obviously, with mm. regard to it. Look, the reality is, is that we have part of our, part of the government's initiative is levelling up, right? There was obviously a, a Queen's speech and there's talk about the Renters Reform Bill and what's happening. And a lot of the levelling up is, is, is bed into that. Now, in Scotland, rent caps are definitely coming in. I sat next to one of the housing ministers. I put an event on for my deposits in Glasgow. Uh, it's looking like in Wales and there's, there's more regulation in Wales and in Scotland. I think with regard to... If you, it, it, with regard, is there going to be rent caps? I think it. I, I think something could come in the future, rise and wise. Uh, I understand why the Mayor of London has said about a rent freeze. I, I get sure. that. Yeah, I really get that. Uh, but I think uh, you've got. to, I mean, you know, I think a bigger biggest bugbear that a landlord has about a letting agent is when a letting agent turns around and says, "I can get you X amount," and it's not. It's not achievable because they mm. just want to take on. They want to pick up the instruction. So I think it's about being reality. I'd rather charge a tenant 25 quid or 50 quid less a week and make sure that I, I pick that tenant rather than that tenant picks me. You know? Yeah, and, and, and there's tenant continuity there. And that's, correct. you know, ultimately, you look at landlord costs. From a landlord it's about longevity, having that tenant indeed. as long as possible. Yeah. That and, is the and, key. And, and tenure is increasing um, year on year, and the pandemic has played a significant part in that. But it was already increasing pre-pandemic too. So actually, you know, o- o- owing to the fact that you want tenants in there longer term, consistency, looking after the property well, etc. Um, there's a question in from uh, Michael Watson. Good morning, Michael. Um, what are your thoughts on these guarantor in inverted com- uh, com- uh, companies? Mm. One of which is offering to be a guarantor to unemployed tenants. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, well, I wouldn't touch that. Sorry, I'm, I'm Mr. Cynical. Uh, being guarantor to, un, uh, to unemployed tenants, I mean, how? What, what's the reality? What's that? You, you know, you do claims and whatever. Yeah. You know, getting rent, doing a rent guarantee policy, or being a guarantor for someone who's not working, it doesn't, it won't work. It, it, no. it, 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 it so you stay well clear. There are some good companies out there, like Housing Hand, that do do guarantors that that are funded, which makes sense. I mean. And then obviously there's there's looking at guarantors that are homeowners, you know, uh, which is really important. And then obviously having that underpinned by rent guarantee policy, which, yes, they've gone up in value. But I think, you know, it's it is a complete and a no brainer. I mean, we do legal work for rental guarantee insurance companies as well. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, if you're talking about unemployed, you're talking about universal credit. The problem is also there's so many different factors coming in. You know, with regard to universal credit, there were six million people on it during the, the midst of the pandemic. What happens is, depending on that stock and you've got, is that actually the less vulnerable uh, and, and people on the, the lower income are going to suffer because what's going to happen is because demand is so strong, depending on the area you're at, if you're going to have a professional couple go for that property and you've got a cap on your universal credit or your LHA and you can get another two, three hundred pound a month from a private couple. You're going to go with that. And then there's a worry about, are you going to get the direct payment from universal credit? And landlords worry about that. So I think that there's going to be a real knock-on effect and you will see uh, even worse 
uh, temporary housing and, and social housing crisis that's going to continue to grow because it, it, the, the PRS is that is that sticking plaster. And, and, and this is where, and that's, I think that's a really good point. You know, we've spoken about this actually, I think, together before multiple times in the last couple of years through this, this series of webinars where, you know, the realisation should be from a governmental perspective that the PRS actually has propped up a housing crisis for a long, long time. The the direction of travel given the cost of living crisis surely only makes the gap between the tenants who can and tenants who struggle to even mm. bigger. And, you know, to Michael's point around essentially trying to put a, a plaster over somebody that seems by all uh, definition not to be able to, uh, to, uh, to, to afford the rent. That's, that's just a game that landlords, they don't even need to entertain it because the amount of tenants versus the one property available is so large at the moment Correct. that actually, you know, it's the people at the bottom of that chain that are going to really suffer. And that creates a real housing problem for tenants in unfortunate positions um, that maybe can't pass and, and, and it will get worse, Ollie, when Section 21 is banned as well for the less vulnerable. They will struggle even more because referencing is going to tighten up. And then the unintended consequence as well, and I know we're deviating a little bit, but I'll just, I'll just say this point, which people don't realise, is that when tenants are being evicted under Section 21, there's no money order on that Section 21 order, so they can go to the council and be rehoused. But, mm. you know, we did a survey on, on landlords, and albeit it was a few years ago, and 40% of landlords were using Section 21 for rent arrears. When they switch to rent arrears, then it becomes a money order on the Section 8, and then if they go yeah. to the council, the council say, well, hold on a second, you haven't paid the rent, you made yourself homeless, we can't help you. There's unintended consequences, um, you know, which uh, will have a knock-on effect with regards yeah. to low-income people. A hundred percent. And, and you know, we, we see that firsthand with our rent protection uh, claims process in terms of you're looking for the mechanism to get the best result as, as streamlined as possible. Um, mm. And I think one of the things the tenants haven't factored in to how legislation well, how it, the existing legislation in place, but also how it's definitely going to change, that was confirmed in the last couple of days, is how much they're adding to their personal debt. You know, they think, I, th- I think tenants believe in some circumstances, well, actually, you know, the, the council advised me to stay here, nothing's going to happen. And actually, it can really, really sort of harm their ability over the next six years to find property, any mm-hmm. lines of credit, right. et cetera. And the change of moving away from Section 21, as you rightly point out, you know, I believe is that will only make that worse. More, more, um, more landlords are enforcing money orders now. We've got two two people just in our debt recovery department working full time flat out because landlords just want to get. And even if they don't going to get their money, they just want to get a CCJ. So it's Mark. Indeed, doing it now because the debt's yeah, no. big, getting bigger. Um, Moya uh, has asked a question. Good morning, Moya. Um, should referencing companies be adjusting their affordability requirements to reflect the current economic situation? Instead of having a tenant to um, earn 30 times the rent, should it be 32, 33, um, uh, etc.? Um, I'll probably take that one, Moya, given um, our position here at Good Lord, um, as, as, you know, as part of our process, we reference tenants. Um, it's something we're looking at, and I think it's something we need to be... Um, we need to understand really closely because at the moment, up until now, 30 times has has given enough um, fat, for want of a better word, in, in, the, in, in the affordability ratios to protect and give confidence to, to, to landlords and letting agents. Um, that's not to say that should remain 30 times to wrap the next 12 or 18 months. Um, and I think it's a very fair question. One of the things I would stress from a referencing perspective that maybe agents don't have eyes on because they see the, the, the word pass or approved or tick, whatever your referencing company does, is look more closely at the affordability ratio. 
and I think being extremely explicit with landlords that ultimately, you know, they have passed referencing. They they have maybe passed. I mean, thirty two. They maybe passed by thirty two times, for example. Um, and it, here's their earnings, but also here's where their, their liabilities are going to sit in the property. And that's exactly where I think things like rent protection come into play, because for all that you can be certain of at this moment in time, that tenant has all the means in order to live in that property consistently and pay their rent. However, having that other layer of protection there, uh, I think, is important. And, you know, I don't want this to turn into a, a pitch around rent protection, um, but I would urge you, if you're not entertaining that product, um, it doesn't have to be through good Lord. I would love it if it was. It doesn't have to be. Um, you know, look into how that level of service can support your business because given the uncertainty at the moment, it may be uh, one of the most important auxiliary products out in the market um, as, we, as, we, as we currently speak. Um, more questions coming in. Um, uh, one from Lorraine, I think, uh, for you, Paul. What consideration has been given to Section 21 abolish, uh, uh, abolishment and managing student HMOs? What mechanism will animals have to evict tenants in this scenario? Uh, that's a good point. So what's happening now is, and you've had the tenant groups, especially generation rent, saying the section, you know, section twenty abolishment should happen now. To be fair to the government and the working groups, is they're taking their time on it because they need to make sure the mechanisms are in place. Which means that you have to strengthen section eight grounds. You have to make sure they're mandatory. They've got to be updated. At the moment, there's seventeen grounds. I reckon they go to about twenty-four. I put forward uh, a proposal that. Access should be a ground, not just not just going underground 12, which is breach. So if you look at uh, student lets, they're not obviously term time. Normally one would serve a Section 21 notice. I think what will happen is there will be a provision relating to student lets. I've already we've already had that conversation. I was on a working group relating to that. So if there is a student um, and it is a student time, I believe that there will be a mechanism with a ground in Section 8 relating to students. What is a big issue, and why loads of landlords use Section 21 is antisocial behaviour, Ollie, which is a big mm-hmm. issue. Uh, big, big, big issue. Because you go under Section 8, it's a discretionary ground, and then you have to get evidence from neighbours or other people in HMOs, and they're too scared, especially when there's been mental health and there's been violence. Now, we saw a massive increase of antisocial behaviour during lockdown, you know, and I, I exposed it and I had a few on, on the TV programme. So they need to, they'll be up, updating the grounds on antisocial behaviour so you can get court orders during terms of tenancy. But there will be, uh, I, I believe that there will be a reference relating to student lets. And I mean, obviously, you know, the two main one will be selling, moving back into the property, mandatory grounds, obviously Section 8. There'll be, there'll be more, they need to be updated. And and the, the the devil very much is in the detail there um, yeah. because I think the, the the one view and and we've talked about it already as to where some of the more negative connotations of removal of section twenty one is there is a positive side to the renters reform bill if the government follow through on what they've said again this week the government have confirmed again this week that they want to give landlords more powers where there is repeat rent arrears and I I would class repeat rent arrears as, as more than one month um, and I'm very intrigued to see what action they take to give more substance and more power back to landlords where there is a breach of tenancy. Um, and I, don't know, I wonder I, I, how accountable they'll be to that. I don't know. I'm a little bit cynical, Ollie. I mean, look, the reality is if you ban Section 21, and, you know, obviously we do, we've done a lot of work on the on the Lettings Industry Council. We did a white paper yeah. on it. Is mediation is going to form massively in part? I mean, obviously, as you know, you do a bit of mediation at Good Lord. Mm. We at the Property Redress Scheme, we've got a mediation business which we brought out during lockdown when it went to six month notice period. So we do mediation. Mediation will have to will form part of the court process where you have to show you try to mediate. 
but it takes two to tango. If your tenant doesn't want to mediate, you can't mediate. You have to have a massive investment in the court system, which believe that I believe that they've invested or said they're going to invest over 300 million. You need more bailiffs. You need to be able to transfer the case up to the High Court and use High Court enforcement officers. And you need to strengthen the grounds in Section 8. All those provisions need to be in place before you ban Section 21. And when you do ban Section 21, let's say that happens in two to three years, it will either happen in April or in October time, you will see a mass flurry of landlords serving Section 21s just to get it in before the banning yeah, yeah. time. Yeah. And then, you know, under the Deregulation Act, which I was on, I came up with two ideas, which was, and they came into law, which was having a six-month lifespan and serving after four months. Um, what will happen is, bearing in mind, on the horizon, you've got the EPC changes coming and up to a level of C. So you will see, and you will, and I'm sure a lot of the, you know, the, the agents that have attended today, they would have had landlords that are selling, you know, and that will increase as well. So there's, there's a lot of stuff on the horizon, but actually the reality is you'll see tenants staying longer. That's, that's mm. going to happen because they can't afford to move. No, no, I get that. I think, I think if we allow, and I say we as a collective, the industry agents, you know, I think we play an important part as suppliers to to, to support agents. And I strongly believe, as I know you do, Paul, you do multiple events around supporting letting agents and, and the value that letting agents bring. I think collectively, if we allow the side notes of the Register Reform Bill in the sense of saying we're here to also help where things go wrong, if we allow that just to peter away, then the denigration on the overall um strength of being a landlord is extremely challenged like you, you start questioning why am i doing this what actual power do i have and i, I i've not forgotten that line in the winter formula where it says we're going to give you more powers and i i you know i i, I whilst i appreciate you, you you're a relative cynic to that i i think it would be grossly unjust if they come out and say that and then do not deliver on that because you really are stripping back a landlord's ability to control their property if if it if it were to to not be included aren't you yeah, you are. I mean, the reality is I, I deal with really, really big landlords, corporate landlords. I'm, I'm part of lots of different organisations. And uh, I was part of an organisation where you, you've got to have over 100 properties to be in this in this, in this organisation. And we've got about 35 members in this organisation. It's called Plan. And every single one of them, the members, are all scaling up. They all want to add to their portfolio, you know. Mm. The, the ones and the two landlords, they are questioning, they are looking at themselves. And also, this is a really good opportunity. This time is a really good opportunity. And as you know, I do lots of training with letting agents. <clears throat> I, met, I was in Hull on Tuesday. I was doing a talk for each riding council. There was 120 landlords in the room. One landlord came up to me. He's got 30, 30 odd properties in Hull. He's been a landlord for 25 years. He goes, I don't want to sell yet, you know, but what I am going to do is I want to switch to full management with an agent. I know, uh, it's too difficult now. Mm. So actually, this is an opportunity for agents to, you know, to find bigger landlords, to, to pitch to bigger landlords, to actually say to them, you know, we'll take over your full management. And there's a lot of landlords that are looking to switch to agents. But finding the right agent for a landlord is a big, big move and it's a big decision. And there's a lot of landlords out there, big landlords out there that do have a lack of confidence in, in agents as well. So, so agents need to really come to the fore, but there is opportunities there. No, no, clearly. And, and we've spoken before, and actually I think it was a Hamilton Fraser report that suggested uh, something like 65% of landlords don't use a letting agency service. So the majority of the PRS are self-managed. Uh, right. And, you know, that 
I think that's got to be front of mind for agents because, right. you know, when you think about the amount of competition you've got, I think the last company's house report was something like there's 5,000 new estate and letting agents. Now, I know they're not all new, but there's, yes. the point is it's growing. And the segmentation of stock available at the moment is shrinking. Yes. You know, that, that does create a bit of a perfect storm. Well, we, but when you start we, to think, sorry, Paul, yeah. when you start to think that yeah. there is 65% of this, this opportunity sits outside of our world, Mm, mm. it's about how do we tap into that world not necessarily how do you win the proxy off your latest competitor most definitely and we write about it all the time i run landlord zone you know we've got one hundred thirty-three thousand landlord members landlord redress is coming in as you know we're very heavily involved at the, at the prs we've we've done a pilot scheme with the nrla you know we're getting mm. the, the the prs we have over 300 agents joining us a month right so some of them could be property sources. We do property education. Some of them could be estate agents. But as a whole, we have 300 agents, of which the vast majority of them are doing lettings. Really small guys. The biggest challenge out there for any agent is, one, obviously keeping up the compliance and keeping up to speed and standing out from your competition, but is actually finding landlords. They don't grow on trees. You've got to hunt them down. Mm. No, indeed. Um, and where we've got questions uh, coming through. So um, I was going to run through a, f- a few of them, if I may. Um, yeah. Karen um, asks, is that 30 times the weekly rent? We do two and a half times. 30 times the monthly rent. And it's the same maths, um, actually, is two and a half times. Um, yeah. So feels like, Karen, you, you, you're aligned there. Um, uh, somebody with no name. Um, should there be a register for tenants who are serious defaulters? Um, the, okay. There's going to there's gonna be a landlord register. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I talk about this all the time. So I, I, I'm... I've talked about this for years. I've sat on government panels. I sat on the government panel when we brought in a rogue letting agent list and a rogue landlord list. And at the time, I criticised them because they only gave the public, they only gave local authorities access, not even the consumer, to find out a landlord or a tenant to find out about the agent. And of course, while I was at that meeting, I'm going back to 2014, 15, right? And I said, what about a, a serial bad tenant database? It would never, ever happen. Happens in Australia, it won't ever happen here because it would create more homelessness and more people not being able to get in. The only way you look at it, and the advice I give to you as letting agents to your landlords, is if you get a money order, get a county court judgment, enforce it. Your money order in the section eight is not a county court judgment, it's only a county court judgment when you enforce it. I mean, that's why we introduce fixed fees. So we get landlords thinking, I'm never going to get any money back, I'm going to get an attachment of earning against the tenants wages i know i've seen on linkedin that they're working x amount i'm even gonna i'm gonna get 40 pound a month i don't care it's only cost me 700 quid to do but that is a county court judgment and a lot of tenants eventually will aspire if they can to try and be a homeowner and if yeah. that's the case they have to settle your judgment so that's the only way you create a, a bad tenant database is enforcing a money order yeah, and it's worth adding that you know companies like Good Lord um, uh, and, and, and you know in positions of referencing you know and and in, in, in positions of of managing rent protection policies and claims you know we 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 circulate that information through the businesses but we're, we're, that's a siloed approach you know until there would be a big data share um, as Paul says that that's that's yeah. just not not really on the horizon but the the point you make there Paul about executing that process I think is the most important one because then the credit file is the source of truth. Um, yeah. There will be thousands and thousands of tenants, though, that have not been taken to that stage, and it never shows up. Um, well, and I think also what ha- has to happen, and obviously open banking is changing this, Ollie. And obviously, you know, you run referencing, and obviously we do referencing a bit here, just albeit on a very tiny scale for the direct landlord market, is actually 
surely it must be a good thing. If the, I mean, look, 95% of tenants out there are great. They're brilliant. Yeah, you get mm-hmm. a few disputes, but, you know, they're paying the rent on time, this, that, whatever. Surely if a tenant is paying the rent on time, just like you're paying your Barclay card, Ollie, that builds up your credit rating because you're a good payer. Mm-hmm. And actually, it should be deemed as the same. So I think it should be promoted in a positive way because obviously, you know, at the moment, everything's a bit archaic because I'll, I'll you know, I'll write to your previous land or, you know, your previous landlord on it and ask for a, a good reference. And a lot of the time it's untruthful because you could be a bad tenant, but I'm giving you a good reference because I want to get rid of you at my property and I don't want to have to wait six, eight, ten months to evict you. Mm, uh, and that no, happens indeed. a lot as well. You know, the previous landlord's reference is sometimes not reliable. We'll be right back after this message. Do you want to stop wasting time on admin and jumping between different platforms to get just one job done? Do you want to focus on your agency's business goals instead? From automated offer letters and e-signing to online referencing and even rent collection, Goodlord can help your agency get rid of the admin heavy parts of your lettings job in one integrated platform, so you can refocus on your business and your customers. Head to goodlord.co today to learn more. Goodlord, it's just that good. Um, we have a few more questions. I'm just going to come back to those briefly. I just want to take us through some of the the, the, the finer points in terms of how we can support tenants and landlords um, yeah. and your businesses. And we've covered most of this, so we'll, we'll fly through this. Now, I'm, I'm appreciative of people's time this morning. Everybody's extremely busy. Um, so thank you very much for everybody joining us uh, this morning and indeed those who are listening in after the event. Um, but in terms of how you can support tenants, um, we've listed a few things here. We've covered more in actually that pre-conversation, but utilising referencing and understanding the tenant's financial situation. I mean, that should go without saying if anybody is out there not referencing tenants um or um you know ultimately looking for confirmation from the tenant themselves um and not doing a comprehensive reference check then you, you uh, i dare it's say not russian asking, roulette it's russian roulette you, ollie you're asking for trouble um i think communication from a tenant perspective is is, is is really important too um and you know often we see especially when we're mediating the view of the tenant is it's big bad letting agent and big bad landlord um, not being that self-reflective on the fact you've not paid the rent for two months, which is is interesting. Um, but ultimately, the time to solve problems is 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 before the problem occurs. Once that once that problem occurs, like arrears, for example, often tenants put their heads in the sand. The drawbridges yeah. come up, and and it's it, it, it's good night Vienna. So, in terms of communication, checking in with your tenants. Um, how many times do you communicate with them on a monthly basis? Do you send them newsletters? Do you send them offers of support and advice, direct them to to different places for for for, for information that may be helpful through this period? Um, it might feel like a waste of time, but if you can help one or two tenants understand that position to make an informed decision, to say, listen, you know, I'm really struggling. I can pay my rent for the next few months, but I'm looking to exit the property. You can take proactive action for your landlord and not turn that into a elongated claim where if you haven't got rent protection, mass arrears mount up and be, be proactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Um, and the transparency of liabilities, I think, is important um, because, and I mean this from a tenant's perspective, when a tenant walks in the property, it's important they understand what the liability of doing that is. And it's not just the rental amount, of course. They have uh, other liabilities like council tax gas and electricity bills at the moment might be akin to the actual rental amount itself um, and bear in mind the price cap is more than certainly going to go up again in October this is going to be an elongated problem for, for tenants so understanding what their overall liability for that given property is 
um, hopefully that's um, that, 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 that's a you know a helpful step. And finally, from a tenant's perspective, helpful products and services. Um, for example, we have an income and injury uh, protection uh, product that is offered to tenants. If they fall um, injured or ill, uh, including mental health um, uh, challenges, then ultimately they can get a up to £2,000 payment um, per month tax-free into their accounts, allowing them to pay their rent, their bills, etc. And that's one of many products out there that can be supporting tenants. So a few things there that maybe you can pick up on um, that maybe you're doing already uh, or maybe you're doing you know, in some respects, um, but hopefully that's helpful. Um, from a landlord perspective, Paul, um, how would you, if you were electing agent now, how would you go about protecting a landlord who's entering the market? You just won their property and they're looking to rent it out over the next three or four weeks. How would you be looking to protect a landlord at the moment? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, look, I think you've got to one thing is if you've got a new landlord on board, is you need to showcase your expertise. You need to showcase honesty and transparency and be and, and realism with regards to the property and the property you're, you're renting. But of course, being really robust with your referencing, explaining the referencing process to a landlord, not enough letting agents do that. It, mm. uh, that does annoy me. Or they say, yeah, he's good, putting it through. Because landlords need to be educated as well. It's really important. Explaining terms of the tenancies, what, what the tenant is liable for. And then, of course, you know, offering them rent guarantee insurance does obviously make sense. So they're covered and they cover the legals. That makes sense. And obviously, and then, of course, above and beyond that is obviously, you know, the, the, the full landlord insurance. So I, I think that that makes sense. And then, of course, what type of tenant are you renting out to? Are you renting out to a student or a young couple or a universal credit tenant. So then, you know, you need to be looking and pushing for guarantors. You know, even, you know, one thing that, that doesn't happen with agents, which does annoy me, and it really is getting a next of kin, just small things. They're getting a next mm. of kin. But no amount of times we do a case and we know nothing. The tenant's done a runner. We think they've done a runner. So, but we don't know if it's abandoned. So we, yeah. we're not yeah. sure about taking possession. Is or they've gone to prison or something's happened. But having comms, regular comms with with a third party on that tenancy makes sense, mm. you know, and you, and bring that third party. Just, it, it, it's really important. But, you know, more more landlords, uh, more corporate landlords now are have implemented processes in their systems where they are having guarantors uh, as part of the, the mechanism when renting out properties as well, as well as obviously more people taking take rent guarantee insurance. Yeah, so it, so I suppose your point is doubling down on the process, making sure yeah. that you know there there's an understanding that you know there is potentially more risk in the market at the moment, given world events and economic pressures, and actually yeah. there's some sensible steps we can take. Mm. Um, and I suppose that's the fine balance, isn't it, for agents? And it's one I know you know very well from a rent protection perspective that sometimes agents really struggle with because they feel that they're almost saying listen there's going to be a problem if you come to us there's going to be a problem and that's kind of the feedback we get from agents but i think the delivery of that actually is important because that shouldn't be the connotation if if a landlord's going into this process not understanding that there is an element of risk involved in renting a property then they probably need to be educated would that be fair to say paul because there's always risk isn't there yeah of course there's always risk look you have a six or 12 month credit agreement the reality is you say to your landlords look prior to lockdown the average term of a tenancy was four years and three months. I'm at the, and this is what agents have to do. As a landlord, I am a landlord. I want to know the agent is going to fight for me. 
I want to know that I'm not just a number in their portfolio. I want to know that they're going to look after my property. They're going to do midterm inspections. They're going to report to me. They're going to be transparent. That I'm going to get the paid the rent on time, which is really important. I also want to make sure that when I am speaking with my letting agent or my letting agent is educating me, is actually saying, you know what? If there is a dispute, don't worry, we'll deal with it for you. Mm. So there's a deposit dispute, okay? Or if there's an issue with the tenancy, we'll deal with it. You know, if we have to evict a tenancy, whatever. That you're, what you, you, the agent's job in a fully managed process is a peace of mind. Give the landlord a peace of mind. And that is yeah. what you're doing it. You're, the reason you're getting full management is the landlords don't want to deal with aggravation. They don't want to deal with a tenant, right? Um, but actually... More importantly, and we, we, you know, you say aggravation, you say complaints, but the, the whole point of the levelling up now, the government have turned around and said, look, safer homes, protection, you know, looking at capital rents. Actually, the tenants are the customers, okay, and the customers deserve a better service. And now what they're doing is, well, if you don't use an agent, we're talking about Vopo, and that I think that's been kicked into the long grass a little bit further down the line. Yeah, you're a landlord doing it yourself. Well, now you've got to be part of a redress scheme. Agents have to be. Why don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that parity, I think, is important as well, because it, without that, there's not a level playing field. And, you know, you essentially start to circumnavigate um, parts of the more challenging areas that being an agent encounters. So I think having that that, that kind of parity across landlords and agents is extremely important. Um, and also bear in mind, like this is if this is about improving standards, you know, letting agents are professionals at what they do. Um, the idea that almost the market or the, the, the legislation is, is, doesn't doesn't sort of recognise that, I think, is somewhat frustrating because, mm. you know, the, the the role a letting agent performs is far above just executing a tenancy agreement. The benefit to tenants, the benefit to landlords in terms of professional advice and guidance, I think, is massive. And I wonder if, you know, if, if agents weren't there working as hard at understanding all of these changing parts as they do, where that would leave tenants and landlords, actually. I mean, so, the, the, the reality is, Ollie, uh, and we all know in the industry, letting agents are actually, are, 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 with regard to their service, they charge them are underpaid. For fully indeed. managed service, they spend hours and hours and hours fully managing a tenancy from the pre-let application to at the end of the tenancy. Uh, unfortunately, in my eyes, and I see it all the time, and that's why I do the training to, to letting agents as well, uh, on how to attract landlords to your business is agents need to show ca- showcase what they do. So they've got a terms of business. This is what I do for you. Bring it to life. Mm. Yes, we're going to protect you. Yes, we're going to make you compliant. Yes, we're going to do, you know, and all that type of stuff. And But there is, I am seeing a shift of the older season landlord now. If they're not getting out the market and they want to keep that portfolio for their kids and whatever, and their kids aren't in their business, you know, they've built up a lot of property over time. I am seeing a shift now uh, from certainly from me speaking to landlords and some letting agent. When I when I go to letting agent events is there are landlords that are looking to pass over those portfolios over. Mm. Which is, like you said earlier, a good opportunity for those for those agents, hopefully. Let's yeah. talk about the agents and, and how agents can protect their business then. If we can move on a slide, please, um, Sarah. Um one of the suggestions on here is, is a financial health check. And I suppose what we mean by this is both of tenants and indeed of your own business. Um, yeah. 
you know, the cost of living crisis is going to affect not only your tenants, not only your landlords, but also you as individuals, as business owners, and indeed your staff. Um, and understanding how you forecast to generate revenue over the course of the next 12 to 18 months, of course, is probably a process you go through yearly anyway by writing your budget. Yeah. Um, but the game has maybe changed somewhat in terms of stock and all the things we've talked about today. So understanding where those potential gaps are and how other services um, and products available in the market can give you a revenue source. A good example of this is a backbook process that we do with our agents um, and it applies rent protection across the board to all of their active landlords and it creates an instant revenue gain. There's other things you can do, but actually arguably none, none, none as big a needle mover as a backbook process for rent protection at the moment, again, with it being topical for landlords. So you know, things like that, just understanding how and what the market can deliver to you as an agent to help support that financial aspiration you have. Because, you know, arguably winning properties, as we've said, is, is going to be tough um, and maybe even more reasonable to go on your go on your courses, because I know, as yeah. you said, you, you talk through how they can do that. Shall I just shall I just tell you that? Web, I mean, if, if people want to take a note of my the website, it's paulshampleaner.tv. So I do, obviously, letting agent training, how to pitch. I actually go in their office. I love it. You know, I do some mystery shopping. I get on the phone. I come in it from a, a real landlord's perspective. What a landlord wants to hear. I mean, there's, there's three common questions a landlord will ask an agent. How much do you charge? How quickly can you rent it? You know, mm. effectively. Uh, but I also do, I'm seeing now lots more agents now because after it, I'm putting on landlord events, free landlord events. So I I, I go in, I do the, the chat and the speak. I train corporate landlords up. So yeah, if people want more information uh, to book me personally, it's paulshampleaner.tv. Fantastic. Um, we've got a few more questions in. Um, I feel like we've covered products and services already. I don't want to harp on about that. I think that's quite clear that there's things out there that can help businesses. Uh, and we've talked about advice and, and, and actually affordability ratios already uh, in, in a session. So let's go to the questions. I'm mindful again of people's time. Um, we've got a question in uh, from, uh, we've had that one, Lorraine. Um, oh, no, I don't think we have got this. Uh, Lorraine asks, what would you recommend for landlords of long-term existing tenants where the property is now aged? As tenant don't, doesn't want to be interrupted for works, rent is below market rate, the EPC rating is below C, and Section 21 abolishment is likely. Is yeah. there a perfect storm brewing? Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really good point. You know what? All landlords out there, and I, I, I said this on Tuesday to 120 landlords, and this is the time when they have, they have to be professional, think professional, and every landlord's on a different journey. They have to business plan. So what I'm saying to you is, is if you've got a landlord with a portfolio, they have to see how their portfolio is performing. You know, mm. what rents are lower than others? How much money have they effectively been losing because they can't get that, that market rent? So it's a bit of a catch-22 because – Depending on the type of land or the type of personality, the type of relationship they have with the tenant, because don't forget, landlords and tenants on the whole have really good relationships. And actually, just on this point, just reminded me, I'm doing a whole campaign on landlord zone on good landlord stories. We're going to bring it to life, we're going to bring the whole industry together. So watch that space. I'm doing that with Nigel Lewis. It depends on that property, because you've also got to think that on those, some of those scenarios is landlords don't want to refurb and they want to sell them because they want to cash in. So, mm. uh, you know, what? It, it is a perfect storm, and there will be landlords that are thinking, right, oh, my God, Section 21's going. 
you know what, this could be my last chance, you know, because there is going to be grounds under Section 8, but landlords don't know how that's going to work because when you talk about Section 8 to agents and landlords, they get really intimidated by it because it's a hearing and they don't know what to do. So I think it could be a perfect storm brewing, and I think what Lorraine says, and you will see landlords that are whacking in those Section 21s, want to yeah. get vacant possession, want to do the property up, want to put the rents up and then try and find another tenant. That's definitely going to happen. I think it kind of goes but back course, to but, but of course, just on that last point, unintended consequence where tenant groups don't understand. So mm. the abolishment of Section 21, EPC rises. What happens? Good tenants that have been in the property three, six, seven, eight years have all of a sudden are going to be evicted. Mm. And then they're going to have to try and find another property. They're going to have to have removal costs. They're going to have to pay rents. There's a massive unintended consequence yeah. that people and civil servants political people and, and you know, commentators, they don't understand the practicality what we do for people that are on the ground. Indeed. And it's that domino effect that uh, I think suggests that the, from the rents reform bill aspects, especially, the devil is very, very much in the detail and understanding what the how the, the, the mechanisms are changing is going to be crucial to allowing agents to support landlords proactively. Because, of course, you know, you've got an existing stock. You've got this effect, all of your customers from the moment it goes live. Um, more questions in. Um, uh, Ricky, good morning, Ricky. I hope you're well. Um, listening uh, as an agent in Wales, taking this morning's topic into account, um, Paul, how do you see the pending July changes relating to the Rent Home Wales Act affecting the process of gaining vacant possession, taking into account the six-month notice period, minimum 12-month tenancies, and the end of our Section 21s? That's Ricky Purdy. Nice to see you, Ricky. It is Ricky uh, Purdy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know Ricky well from Dawson's. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tougher, you know, tougher for the guys in Wales. You know, they're going to go to occupational tenancies. It's about, you know, the whole point of all this and everything that's happening, Scotland, Wales, England, is about the tenants having greater security. It's about making sure that there's this myth that landlords and letting agents are serving Section 21s on a whim because they want to evict us because there's non-fault. There's always a fault, always a fault, always a reason. So the reality is, Ricky, it's going to get more difficult. You're going to get a much more, uh, you're going to get a lot of disheartened landlords in Wales. I speak to them quite regularly. I'm doing a talk there next month, actually. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to take longer. It's going to be harder, is the reality. Mm. Um, will that have an impact of landlords in Wales exiting? Uh, you know what? This is a long-term game, and the professionals that want to scale up on their portfolios are factoring this in, are factoring this in, and they are scaling up. Where yeah. the smaller landlords are looking—I'm not saying all—but there are, you know, there's going to be, and it was will it open up opportunity for investors as well. And agents alike, because, you know, ultimately, as the more complex the systems and legislation becomes, the more advice that landlords need. And actually, and that's where agents. agents can step into, indeed. Uh, second part of Ricky's question is around the rent protection policy. Ollie, how do you see uh, rent protection insurance policies and offerings being affected come 2023? Um, we don't necessarily see them being affected. I think they become more important. Um, and I think it's in, important to to ensure that we recognise the change in process and legislation and that ensure that's covered as part of the policy, which is certainly the intent at the moment um so uh bau i think is the message there ricky um but would welcome your thoughts on how uh, how you see our proposition changing in wells to reflect maybe a change in landlord needs or, or lack of confidence I, I think i think letting fees will go up as well in wells naturally 
well, you, you're doing more for your money, arguably. Um, right. There's more things to consider. And, and again, that's a, that's a whole different webinar on, on how agents value fees, because I know, Paul, you and I have strong feelings of, yeah, yeah. of being extremely supportive around uh, agents undervaluing themselves um, despite a competitive market. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that as a second installment. Um, Nick Addison. Um, good morning, Nick. Um, I'm seeing more and more tenants requesting that their tenancy uh, falls periodic. Is this wise for the landlord, Paul? Uh, that's a good point, really. Uh, I think at the end of the day, the landlord is calling the tunes with regard to the tenancy. It is supply and demand. Okay, so I think landlords are quite within their right to have some tenants want security. Why can't landlords have security? If I've got a tenant, depending on what that landlord circumstances are, don't forget there's so many different landlords at different stages in their career and some landlords want to move back in or they want to sell, whatever. And I think that if you've got a tenant and it's been month to month and a landlord wants to plan, I think it's very reasonable to say, well, I want to, you know, I want to re-sign another year's tenancy, you know, yeah. quite rightly. If the tenant doesn't want to do that, well, then the landlord, because this is a professional call that they have to give, is they have to think, well, do I carry on? I'm, you know, it could be another periodic for another year. I'm quite relaxed with that, which a lot of landlords are. Or do I think, you know what? I need a bit of security. I need to budget. I need to plan. Don't, I think let's have a, some sort of consent. You should leave if you don't. And you could call the tenants bluff in that sense as well, mm. uh, because there's plenty of tenants knocking the door that want to rent this property. And I think that for a letting agent and a landlord is a really bit of strong uh, advantage as such that they can say to a tenant in that situation. Agreed. You know, this isn't a charitable process. <laughs> like landlords have their own costs, and and one of right. the things that that, that that often the likes of shelter and the media forget is that most landlords are single property owners, um, in terms of investment wise. Um, they're not driving around in Bentleys, and they have costs to pay. And Did, uh, just know, on it, that point, sorry, I'm going to be a bit controversial because I think you saw it as well. Did you see the latest video that Shelter put out about letting agents? It was. I about, did. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, and I, I I commented on it. Quite strong words and stuff. Where they uh, they were they were basically it was a take on uh, a Mickey take of letting agents. And oh, yeah. why don't you rent this property with full mold and that? And it's it was it's just it's you know that's what Shelter do. It's the shock factor. Yeah, and I think clearly, clearly, clearly shows they don't actually understand what the industry does and how it works. Um, so I, I, I think I'm almost annoyed the amount of attention it got because. Well, that's the whole you know, point. It, that's that. That's well, that, 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 that's it, that's right? the modus moment. You know, it's to get yeah. attention. It's to get. Yeah. It's to raise the fundraising of that Indeed. Um, of that housing housing organization which doesn't actually house anyone but that's not and the other thing it does of course it means that you you know it forces you into one camp or another almost and there's absolutely nothing wrong with an agent standing there going i actually agree that tenants should have the best possible service and support they can i also agree that landlords should have control and they should be able to benefit commercially from owning a property if the two things aren't they don't have to be polar opposites but also but the campaigns yeah, but, like that do that they, they yeah but also letting it. agents have got to be big and bold right because you've also got to put a price on your portfolio and on your clients and on your cl- on your time and on your staff's time if you've got a landlord that's difficult especially won't pay full management fees and it's calling up and it's let only and they won't want to pay for maintenance fees, which is maintenance charge, which is some of the biggest bugbears for a letting agent. And mm. it's a it's a troubled property in your portfolio. You've got to be big and bold enough to say, sorry, we don't act for you anymore. And that and, and agents need to do that more. 
No, definitely. Um, uh, we, I appreciate we're running out of time. A quick point from Karen there. Uh, are we the conversation on periodic tenancy? The situation will be very different if there's no second 21, um, which is a fair point. The mechanism there may well be um, maybe challenged. Um, just going through the questions, Nick, um, follow-up question to your point around the periodic point we just talked about. Can you still renew rent protection for periodic tenancies? You can. The rent protection policy at Goodlaw covers the property. It's applicable to any tenants moving in and out of that property during that term. Um, uh, Sophie uh, makes good points around uh, mandating the next of kin details um, through the good law process. I've already sent that feedback through to the wider team, Sophie. I think that's a fair point and sort of in line with um, with uh, Paul's points around trying to obtain and confirm this information. We've got a good opportunity as part of our platform to get all of that and get it. Well, I've given you an idea to add to your referencing process. Uh, well, I, 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 I fear, I fear we, we, we should be doing that already. Um, and okay. we, we do, but we don't mandate it. And I think that there lies the problem. Um, so, no, very, very good shout, Sophie. Thank you very much. And I'm going to ta- I'm going to say it's Sophie's idea, Paul, not yours. Well, no, I will uh, say Sophie's idea because I haven't seen your <laughs> mandated uh, systems. So well, well done, Sophie, for flagging it. Um, Abigail says it would be really useful to know what the process of getting a money judgment following Section Eight arrears and eviction process had completed. Yeah. Um, how could we educate ourselves and landlords on this process? I fear that's quite a long. There's, a, there's quite a long answer to that. Can we have a short summary? Uh, right, a short summary. Right. So if, if anyone out there wants, I mean, we even collect, believe it or not, we collect renewal fees for agents, right? We do a lot of those as well. So if you're owed any money or you get a money order on a Section 8, what happens is, is the, the $6 million question is, is the tenant still at the property that they left? You might, they might have been evicted. You normally wait three to six months to do tra- a trace. We do tracing. We do a seven, we have about 75% success rate. Once you've traced them, then you can enforce. So then the $6 million question is, where the landlord comes back to the agent, what do we know about the tenant? Oh, we don't know. He left his job 18 months ago and we don't know anything. Most tenants don't have any assets. Most tenants are renting in a fully furnished properties. Thus, they don't have any assets. But social media is amazing now because you can find so much out about a tenant. You know, you go on LinkedIn, you go on Instagram, all that type of stuff. So, you know, can we enforce it? And we could use a high court enforcement agent to go to their new address to try and collect. They get commission. Okay. We could get an attachment of earnings where, again, whenever a money order is enforced, you know, sometimes we do in foot where we get we use a county court bailiff to try and force a money order while there's an eviction date set down at that property while they're there. Bailiffs will never collect the money, but once it's enforced, it becomes a county court judgment and it's registered at the registry of county court judgments. There's charging orders, there's bankruptcy. There's about if you go on our website, landlordaction.co.uk, click on debt recovery, there's a whole list of items that you can do. You can get a third party order you know, or where the tenant goes to court, or you get a garnishee order where if you've got no, no, they've got money in their bank account, you can get an order that that money comes out. There's a whole list of things, uh, but every case is different. So we have to think, well, what's the best likely we can try and collect the money against that tenant? Thank you very much, Paul. Um, we have definitely run over uh, and definitely run out of time. Apologies. I think there's a couple of questions there that we've um, not had time to cover. Um, if, if, we, if we want to have further conversations around any aspect of today's session, please feel free to reach out to myself or Paul uh, or our wider businesses. Both sets of businesses are there to support you as letting agents through what we can clearly see is a potentially challenging time. I think both businesses offer some kind of resource that can really help um, solve some of those conundrums. Um, Finally, thank you to you for your time, um, Paul, and thank you to all the viewers. We appreciate everybody's busy uh, in an extremely busy market. Um, so to take an hour out of your day is much appreciated. Uh, but, Paul, thank you very much. Up the Spurs tonight. Up Hopefully the Spurs. Get a win. 
<laughs> Please, God. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you soon.